Today on the Let's Be Real podcast, we are going to be covering the Marvel's historic box office drop, the Thanksgiving weekend box office results, the new Superman legacy castings, Bradley Cooper supposedly being in for Hangover 4, Venom 3 to be the last in the franchise, Dave Filoni being promoted to Chief Creative Officer at Lucasfilm, and for our grand finale, we're going to finish off with one of our usuals, it seems, which is just some MCU updates that uh, are around. So yes, welcome to another episode of Let's Be Real. I'm your host, James, and I have the privilege and honor to be joined by Nayan. How are we doing, mate? Good. Good? Always good when I get introduced like that. I was <laughs> expecting more adjectives. You know, that two usually go like three or four. I was, but... I was thinking of a third, because <laughs> nothing came to my mind at that time. So but It's fine. I guess I'll, uh, I'll let you pass on that one. Fair but enough. no, yeah, good. What yeah. Funny. Um, watch Gen V. Fucking fantastic. Yes. Can't wait for the boys um, season four now. Nice, yeah. So good. It's a perfect support show, eh, Gen V, yeah. And it just, yeah. it feels so much like the boys, so. It does. Yeah, rather than, which I really like, so. Yeah, Jim V's a good one. Yeah. Uh, watching anything else at the moment? Um, I watched one episode of Ahsoka. Nice. What are the initial thoughts there? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. Pretty um, good. I, I did like it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the production is fantastic. You know, the visual styles and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But so far, just based on that one episode, it looks pretty good. I've heard mostly good stuff about it, but there is like some divisiveness between some of it. Overall, mostly good stuff. That's definitely on my watch list as well. Uh, what have I watched? Oh, I finished the bear. Uh, those the last half of season two floored me. Uh, very good stuff. Just I I don't know if I've seen writing like that in a long time. So that was really good. I know you're gonna watch that one soon. So get on to that. <laughs> um, and starting the Last of Us. Uh, finally gonna work through that one. That's a big beastie show. It's a lot to a lot. I mean, I've seen an hour of the first episode. Um, and already it's it's so big on scale and uh, the emotions are already there and those zombies are terrifying. I mean, I have no background in the last of us game, so I don't know any of that, but just seeing zombies like sprinting uh, is, is yeah. scary already. What, what was your reaction to um, Joel's daughter dying? Mm-hmm. I kind of saw it coming. I just feel like I, I don't know if I even knew that, but I just, it just felt like it was coming. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a huge moment in the game. If you have time, just go watch it. Scene yeah. in the game, because mm. um, I think it's a lot more devastating in the game than it is actually in this. Oh, really? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I might like watch one of those kind of YouTube. Uh, we kind of just watch the cinematic pieces of yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I might do that yeah. one time. Yeah, and get a good comparison to see how it translated to uh, a TV show. Yeah, because I think the first two episodes is very, very, very close to the source material, like almost line for line from the game as well. And really, and then it kind of goes off into its own thing. It does, and then it comes back for a bit. Oh, interesting. Um, well, yeah, I might get onto that when I can. Uh, yeah. Should we, should we drop, drop some news on the potty? Okay. You know, my, my little life update that came through this week? Oh, if you want to do that, yeah. I feel like it's uh, worth talking about in case people are watching. But yeah, I am officially moving across the ditch to Australia from New Zealand uh, with my girlfriend. And yeah, we're going to be starting a new job and all that stuff over there. So. Podcasts will change. We don't know the specifics yet, but we're going to be changing things, hopefully, for the better. But and, and it's going to be a very different thing. So just yeah, uh, stick with us in the the adjustment period, and we'll figure it out. It's still going to be just as fun, 
And I will have more adjectives to describe Nan throughout those. Demonstrate. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, besides that kind of news, you know, you guys know the drill. Slide into our DMs on Twitter with any topic suggestions or with anything you want to talk about. And, you know, we might just talk about it on the show here as well. Otherwise, jump on over to moviegainst.com for all movie-related news that you want. Shout out to you guys for being a part of the day. We appreciate being a part of your day. And we're here to entertain, inform, and give bad movie recommendations. So. Without further ado, let's get to it. So we're going to open up with the Marvels, which has uh, had a a bad uh, box office run. I've been saying for a couple of weeks here on the podcast now that the Marvels and the Flash are having a battle for biggest flop of the year. I think Marvels takes that, takes that, wins that one for the year now. Uh, so it dropped. Get ready for it. Seventy-eight point one percent. From forty six million point one or forty six point one million to ten point one million. Seventy eight point one percent. That's unheard of. You know how it's unheard of? Let's get to more facts, eh? That is the twenty-fifth worst second weekend drop for a film of all time. Twenty-fifth. Um it's the third biggest drop in history for a film debuting above forty million. So the other ones were above it were stuff that drops like rapidly. Halloween in or Halloween, yeah, Halloween ends and Friday the thirteenth. Horror movies where they go see it for Halloween weekend drops off. The Marvel said that third, um, and it's the biggest drop for a superhero film ever. And we've had some stinkers from superhero movies, especially this year as well. Um, and so now we're looking at the projections. For its entire box office run, it will earn less than 100 million domestically, and it will earn around 200 to 250 million worldwide, which is its budget. So, Nan, what do you make of all the this box office performance from the Marvels? It's pretty predictable if you think about it. I mean, we were all discussing this, um, and there were talks about how it might even break budget or make even break even and mm. it's definitely not going to break its make its budget i think its budget was 275 million minus the 50 yeah. financially technically yeah. and then it took a 50k sort of mm. subsidy or something whatever yeah um so yeah that is shocking a worldwide superhero film that's not going to break budget you know that's very unheard of especially from mm-hmm. like you could sort of expect that from dc but from marvel you know mcu yeah um where pretty much most of this stuff breaks even unless it's in covid mm-hmm. um it's shocking. Um, I don't know what went wrong. I do know what went wrong. Um, <laughs> but I think it just goes to show that people are getting a little bit fatigued from superhero mm-hmm. thing uh, content. Yeah. Um, I think Marvel is definitely a big, big um, sort of part in that, you know, pushing out so many movies and TV shows within a year mm-hmm. that people are getting sick of it and they're not going to go see other com- um, comic book movies, um, not just Marvel, but also DC because we saw it with The Flash as well. And mm. we're, prob- we're probably definitely going to go see it with Ar- Aquaman. <laughs> I don't know who's going to go see that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's bad. Bad, mm-hmm. bad, bad. Considering the first ca- um, Captain Marvel movie made a billion. Yeah, I think it's like <laughs> 1.15 billion. Yeah, yeah that's like, that's insane. Like, first film making a billion and then the second one not even breaking its budget. Like, yeah. how pathetic. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, this is historically bad. A 78% mil- uh, percent drop, dude. I I don't see that very often. I remember I absolutely roasted Halloween Ends for dropping such a stupid amount, which was like 78.5%. 
and now the Marvels have done it. I didn't think Marvels would drop this bad. I thought that people liked it. You know, it had a fresh rating. The audience score was doing well. I think, you know, the cinema score was B. And we've had this before. We've had, you know, Mission Impossible second weekend uh, against Barbie and Oppenheimer opening up and that historic weekend as well. And nothing's dropped like that. So 78 is crazy to me. And what opened against it was Trolls and Hunger Games. Nothing. There's not like significantly like major competition there. That's surprising. But yeah, I think there's not one reason for this. There's loads of reasons that all made the entire result, I think. Eh? And you, you covered yeah. a bunch of it as well. Obviously, uh, stuff, stuff, you know, they, the actors couldn't promote. That plays a part in it. I think superhero fatigue might be the biggest one. Because if you look at Aquaman's early predictions, the opening weekend's around like 35 to 43 million for opening weekend, which I think the first one opened above 100 million, or I think like 90 million or something like that. Um, Opens around Christmas time, so the longevity of that holiday run, how they usually go, that could play a part in it. But the fact that all these opening weekends are so far below their like predecessors kind of points towards you know some superhero fatigue. Mm-hmm. Even Guardians of the Galaxy three, which is you know, like we were talking on that chat, uh, like I think during the week, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Two came out, and then they had exposure in Infinity War and Endgame, which kind of like everyone saw. So now Guardians are a well-known A-list comic book property, right? And then you got James Gunn doing this. It comes out to amazing critic reviews. Everyone loves it. Yet it still only debuted like below the uh, second one by like nearly thirty million. So I think superhero fatigue really does play a part in these. I think it'll be interesting um, next year. Deadpool. Three may be the the ultimate sign because we're going to cover a little bit more in Deadpool three, but it's looking to be big. If people can't get into that, then what are they going to get into? You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what other superhero movies come out next year because Marvel has one movie. DC's not around. Spider Verse got delayed. Is it just one? Is Venom three? No. What's that movie? You know? Oh, Madame Web. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Craven got delayed to next year. Oh, yeah, Craven. So it's, it's pretty much one Marvel film and three Sonys. Is Venom? I thought, I thought, I'm pretty sure Venom's next year. So it's just hot garbage and Deadpool 3. So just hot garbage. Nah, I mean, I'm, I, I think Deadpool 3 is, could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. I yeah. just want to keep the meme going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Might break the meme, mate. We'll have to see. Um, otherwise, we'll move on to other box office news. So... Obviously, not here in New Zealand. It's not Thanksgiving weekend, but over in America it is, and that's a five-day weekend for them. They get two days off for Thanksgiving. Um, New Zealand, can you please have a Thanksgiving weekend here? I would love two extra public holidays off. Yeah, Or just, Australia now, actually. Just, I'd love to have a day where I just eat a turkey. We need that. What's, is there a New Zealand version of Thanksgiving? No. No? No, there's not. We need, like... Pavlova day. That's, that's New Zealand dish. Oh, I'd fucking smash a pavlova. I could day. easily eat a whole pavlova. Easy. It's like, like the easiest thing to eat at. Every Christmas, like, I get some. I'm like, bro, this is not enough. Fucking give me that whole cake, man. <laughs> Jesus, it's I've so had, good. I know I've had a half pavlova in a night. It's just, it's fluffy <laughs> and it's light. You just... And it, and it, do, it doesn't fill you up. No, no. Well. So that's why it's so easy. And then if you have fresh fruit on top as well. Oh, my God. You guys, that's not in New Zealand. Um, we created the pavlova, despite yes. what any Aussie says. <laughs> and if you haven't had a pavlova, 
Google up a recipe and make it because it is actually game changing. Like, forget about your pies. Mm. I remember I, I remember I tried to make pavlova once and it was just like some saggy, <laughs> like flat thing. Uh, so make it properly. Don't make it like I did. And uh, add it to your uh, Thanksgiving dessert menu for next the, year. The best way to describe a pavlova is it's like a meringue, but not as hard. Yeah. It's like eating a cloud that's sweet. Yeah. It's like 100% sugar or some shit. <laughs> it's, it's not healthy at all. And that's uh, some food gains. <laughs> Um, yeah, but we'll talk about the box office now. So <laughs> the five day holiday hall, uh, we have new movies releasing, uh, this week. So which were Napoleon wish and Thanksgiving, of course. Um, so it's looking like the five day, uh, results for this is a number one is hunger games. Still number one from last week for 41 million for the five days. And at second Napoleon at 32 million. Wish at number three with 31 million. Trolls three, second weekend at 26 million. And Thanksgiving debuting at number five with 10 million. So keep in mind, these are five day weekend estimates. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Hunger, Hunger Games retaining the number one uh, position? And considering it made 44 million last weekend, 41 million for a five day haul against competition coming out. What do you think about that? I think that's really good. Mm. I mean, it is a decent film, despite what critics say. Yeah. It's actually a really good film, and um, it definitely does a lot for the Hunger Games <clears throat> franchise. So I, I can see why people would want to go see that over the other content. Mm. The other content is a washed-up, you know, superhero film. Uh, Disney losing their touch. A yeah. horror film that is based on Thanksgiving, but outside Halloween. <laughs> and Trolls. Yeah. Really. So... Mm. If you're going to spend your money, what are you going to pick? Oh, and Napoleon, which is a boar fest. So, yeah. Uh, Napoleon, I'm surprised they even pulled that much because I thought it would be very, very, it's like sort of a niche film, you know? Mm. Um, not many people would want to go see a film about Napoleon based on the trailers. Yeah. Um, maybe Ridley Scott's name has nothing to do with it. Mm. Who knows? But yeah, Hunger Games, yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I wouldn't be surprised if it um, retained that next week as well. Number one spot. I don't even know what comes out next week. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm basically the same, eh? I think the wish, wish is really surprising because, you know, the Disney animations, specifically Disney princesses, they love to do, um, drop them on the Thanksgiving weekends, you know, Frozen, Moana, they've all done it and they're big at the box office and they usually like ride out a really strong wave all the way through to Christmas, but it doesn't seem like it's getting a, you know, it's not well liked. Not by critics, not by audiences. I know that the cinema scores A minus, but you know, Frozen and stuff have been higher than that. So I don't think uh, I don't see good stuff for Wish in the future. Napoleon being above Wish is shocking to me. <laughs> like that—that's very surprising. And honestly, I'm happy about that because as much as I didn't like Napoleon, and I'll probably like Wish more than Napoleon. I'll be honest with that, which we see on Saturday, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um. Napoleon is a risk by studios and investing a lot of money into a, an original film. And I know which is original, but it's a, it's a different kind of original, you know, it's a really bold, risky kind of movie. So I'm glad that people are putting faith in that. I would say that the trailers actually did a favor to it and helped it in the box office. In this case, I don't think people are going to like it when they come out of it, but you know, the trailers looked awesome. Me and you were like, we saw the trailer and we're like, oh, shit, this actually looks pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think other people might think like that. 
uh, and then want to go and then have a whole different experience with the film after it, um, as we did. Hunger Games being at 41 million, I, I know it's a five-day thing, but that's still like a... Do you know the three-day results? Oh, four-day. Yeah, three. Like, I, I what, don't know. what would have gotten on a normal weekend? I think it's three-day would be, I think it's like around 30 million, something around there. It's still very good. It is very good. It's like a 25% yeah. drop or something like that. Mm. But I mean, I, I look at the Hunger Games and that I think the audience score for that was like 90 and people were clearly liking that movie. And so I can easily see like, you know, it's target demographic watching it and then wanting to take other people to it. I'm not surprised by this. It might actually be kind of the 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 shock of like the box office for like these last couple months of the year. If it continues this trajectory, I guess. Charles Tree is a massive surprise as well. Like, is that only the third film? It is the third film, yeah. Oh, fuck. I swear there's been at least like five of them. Maybe I might be getting confused with Smurfs or something. Yeah, prob- there's only like two Smurfs as well. Is there? Yeah. Huh. Oh, never mind me. We just always heard about trolls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think with the trolls, I think it's it comes out on streaming very soon. Mm. And they're about to regret that because I think it made, what, like 30 million last weekend? It's going to make around like the same again this weekend. It's going to do good money. Uh, fun fact, it might make more than uh, Marvel's. I wouldn't be surprised. If you had an option to go see the Marvels or Trolls, definitely go see Trolls. Because at least that's funny. It is, it, is, it is a little bit funny. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, at the start of the year, if you said that Marvels is going to make less than Trolls band together. No one would ever believe <laughs> us. They'll be like, quit your fucking movie business because mm. you guys clearly don't know what you're talking about. Here's another fun fact. Trolls, second weekend, 26 million versus Wish's opening weekend at 31 million. That's even more of a shocking thing to me. Especially considering wishes from Disney, and Disney is always like safe. You know, when it comes really, to, yeah. When it comes to animated films, they are safe. You know what you're gonna get. The consumer is gonna go watch the product. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I think times are changing in Hollywood. I think people are over the formula. Yeah. Doing, doing air quotes here. Yeah. The formula. You know, we have the Marvel formula. We have the Disney formula. Funny because they're both owned by Disney. Yeah. But I think everyone's just getting sick off that, mm-hmm. and they're starting to see through it. They want to see genuine stuff like. Napoleon. Yeah. Like, like it's so different to mm-hmm. what we get nowadays. Hunger Games, 10 years released after the first. Yeah. It's still somewhat fresh in everyone's mind, but it's like the perfect time to like release a new one because, mm-hmm. you know, there's some kids there that will be nostalgic for them. Yeah. So. And you, yeah. you take that as well and you like look at like Barbie and uh, Oppenheimer, you know, that's obviously a case for like that point as well. I do think there is like a Disney definitely have a formula with their like Disney princess and Disney animation kind of movies. You know, you got the cute um, side character and then like the villains always kind of generic in a sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think, yeah, people are seeing through that and now we're kind of shifting to a, a new kind of area where people want different things and original risky kind of stuff. I would love to see a Disney animated film that is a based on a prince rather than a princess Mm. or None of no royalty at all. It's just an animated film. You know, there's no Disney princess or anything. It's just all right, yeah. a, a random character. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, for sure. I mean, I want. Yeah, they seem to be a little bit bolder with it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, we're gonna move on now to some casting news. Now that the SAG strikes have ended, we're starting to get a ton of different kind of news as well. So the first one we got 
is for James Gunn's Superman Legacy. So Nicholas Holt has been cast as Lex Luthor. Um, man, what do you what do you think about that? Is is Nicholas Holt the right fit for this film? Third time's a charm, eh? Because he he originally uh, auditioned to be Batman in oh, yeah, the yeah. Batman, and then he originally auditioned to be Superman in Superman Legacy, and now he's Lex Luthor. Um, I think it's a great casting choice. You know, Nicholas Holt is super talented. You know, he's um he is Lex Luthor is an intimidating figure, but not by looks or anything. It's by mm-hmm. words and his intelligence. Mm-hmm. And I think Nicholas Holt definitely has the look off that really down and his acting style. I feel he'll be able to portray that intimidation through words yeah. rather than physical appearance, you know, um, and show like his cool um, calculatedness mm-hmm. towards um, Superman. Cause I mean, Lex Luthor is not intimidated by Superman. But at all, yeah, you know, like he he knows exactly what makes Superman tick and his mm-hmm. weaknesses, and he's not afraid to, you know, stab him with kryptonite, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Nicholas Holt was gonna be great for that. Um, I know that he portrayed Beast, who is not a similar character, but you know, <laughs> he's still an intelligent sort of um. That's character. true. I forgot about him being that. Yeah, yeah. Um. And because Beast is quite intellectual as well, so he can bring that sort of aspect to it, but then in a villain sort of spin Mm -hmm. and just more cool. When I say cool, I mean like cold. Yeah. Um, And calculatedness, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, whenever he gives an order to his minion, like, it's just chilling. And I think Nicholas Holt will be able to nail that really well. How he'll look bald is a different story. (laughs) But, uh, hey. So you say that it's not our Brian Cranston being Lex Luthor as everyone. I think that's a major fan cast. Yeah. That I think that is definitely like, you know, when we talk about Reed Richards, it's always um John Cranston's I don't think not anymore after Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but y- like, you know, it's like mm-hmm. the big one, you know. Um I think Brian Cranston was a huge one. Um, yeah, for Lex Luthor. Luthor, especially after Breaking Bad, because he can pull off the board look. He can pull mm. off that cool intimidation, yeah. like intellectually. Yeah. yeah, he can just pretty much be Walter White. <laughs> yeah, really. No, yeah, for sure. I am. I don't know how to describe it. I feel like I know that it will be good, and I trust James Gunn and his casting. Uh, he's always been quite good with casting the roles in his movies, so I. It is one that's hard to envision. I think it might be because I haven't seen or seen the greatest of Lex Luthor's, or I haven't seen great Lex Luthor portrayals. So I don't really know how to envision anyone in that role because I don't know how that role looks great. Have you seen Smallville? I uh, know. Okay. I'm not going to spend my time <laughs> watching that. Uh, is that a great portrayal uh, of Lex Luthor? Probably the best live action mm. we've got, um, for sure. I think. Lex Luthor in the animated series back in the 90s is the best, like, version of Lex we'll ever get. You know, the voice actor in that was actually the old guy in Gen V, um, the one that Fireboy killed. Fireboy. Oh, like, yeah. Golden Boy. Golden uh, Boy, yeah, 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 yeah. Killed. Um, he mm-hmm. was actually the original voice, voice actor for Lex Luthor in that. And I right. Think, yeah, that's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, like, Still across the board, I guess Lex Luthor hasn't had true justice done to him on a live action scale. Yeah. So I don't know how, I don't know what to expect to get that role right. So I know I trust James Gunn to find a way to make sure that it's as 
good as it possibly can be. And I guess Nicholas Holt deserves his time. He's still quite young, I think at 33 years old. David Corrinswert, I think 26, 27 maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think the ages between them is perfect. You know, yeah. Like a young Superman. And then Nicholas Holt is still that right age to be mm-hmm. a billionaire sort of person. You yeah. Know? He's, so, not, he's not like old, old. Maybe if he's not even like a, a billionaire, it's like the rise of Lex Luthor. Maybe not him being like already established Lex Luthor kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I think if that's what James Gunn is going for with this universe, having them both be young and, and build them up together, I think that's kind of perfect then. I think they're going to balance each other out really well and we're going to get some you know, really good battles down the line. Maybe not on Superman Legacy, but I don't know. It can be very interesting. And yeah, I, I like the idea of the cast being young for for this. and. I mean, we didn't have the podcast back when uh, Batman vs Superman days, but I remember being very, uh, like, before the film came out, very against the idea of having an aged Batman when you're trying to start your universe. To me, that made no sense. You're trying to, it should be the origin of him. Mm-hmm. Like, it made no sense. So I'm glad they kind of, it shows that they're learning a little bit here and being like, okay, we'll start fresh. We'll start with, like, the young cast and we'll build them up through time. So hopefully that's what they're going for. Um but another piece of news for it, and this is one I don't really know too much about, uh, Skylar Gazondo cast as Jimmy Olsen in Superman Legacy. So you know, how do you feel about that one? I barely know any of his work. Mm-hmm. Um, but just based on looks alone, I think he's a good, you know, Jimmy Olsen, you know. He looks like a Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure he'll do a good job. Um, I haven't seen any of his work or significant work, you know, where he's been a main character rather than a side character. Yeah. Um, so it's a bit hard to comment on this one, but just based on looks alone. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. good. Interesting. Cause I'm on the other side of that. I've seen a lot of his work and I don't know much about Jimmy Olsen. Is, is Jimmy Olsen like a Harry Osborn kind of type of character? Mm, yes and no. Um, he's more, it's like a little sidekick almost to like, ma- Superman? to mainly Lois Lane and Clark. Because um, he works for the Daily Planet, and then oh right, so yeah. it's like a little Peter Parker in a way, without the superhero yeah, powers. Yeah, pretty much like that. And there's been different personalities for him. There's been one where he's been like, um, you know, your typical psychic sort of character, and then mm. um, DC reinvented him to be a bit more like aggressive. Aggressive, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so does he get like powers in the end? And... No, it's just you know, just what game. do you mean aggressive? Run yeah, around, aggressive. hit people in the newsroom. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it, it was weird to see, but yeah. But yeah, no, I'm just going through his stuff on uh, IMDb and like I'm seeing a lot of this stuff. Uh, yeah, because he's been on a lot of um, bad Netflix productions. And when I'm with mates or uh, with somebody, we put on really bad Netflix stuff and you kind of just laugh at how shit it is. And so I've seen a lot of him through that. He's a good, uh, he's a good comedy actor. Like He's just funny and kind of got good comedic timing i don't know if that applies to uh jimmy olsen but if it does then yeah. i think he can do a good job he does have some quips here and there. yeah he, he definitely looks the part um based on the very small thing i've seen him on so far so yeah i mean hopefully it works out another thing i think we trust james gunn with this and yeah yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be good eh? um moving on now to bradley cooper news and no, we're not talking about some indie film uh, destined to do really well at the Oscars. We're talking about The Hangover 4. Uh, so you guys should know now. I, I would say that The Hangover is probably the most successful comedy trilogy 
A comedy series, maybe? There's a Cornetto trilogy, but it's not. It's not in terms of financial success. Oh, okay. Because I know the first one was huge and the second one was the same. But yeah. yeah, the third one wasn't too good. Um, but yeah, apparently Bradley Cooper says that he would do the Hangover 4 in an instant. Um, but he, he does say that he doesn't think Todd Phillips would ever do it and he's moved on to Joker and stuff like that. But yeah, Bradley Cooper just said that, you know, he loved all the people that he worked with. So he would just love to go and do it and have fun again. And I don't know. I think it'd be a very interesting. It'd be, I think it'd be hilarious to see Bradley Cooper in that role again. Yeah, he's changed so much in the past 10 years. Yeah, because he's gone yeah. to really like indie films and now he's like a quite an acclaimed director and to see him go back to that kind of stuff, I think it'd be awesome. But what do you think about uh, Bradley Cooper being in for Hangover 4 and would you be down for a Hangover 4? I'd be down for a Hangover 4. Mm. I mean, Hangover 1 is by far the best and probably one of the best comedy films. Um, yeah. Not of this decade, but probably of all time. Mm-hmm. Hangover 2 is just pretty much the same but not as good. And then hanging over three was weird. Um, we won't get into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the hangover, it's had a, you know, it's a decent break since the last one came out. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Gilfinakis, no one really knows. I don't see him anymore. Um, so oh, I wonder what he's been doing. Eh? Yeah. yeah. And the other actor as well. I barely see him around anymore. Ed Helms. Yeah. Oh, Ed Helms and the other one, Doug. I, I never see Doug. I don't, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know the actor's name. So I think it'll be a cool one, but it'll be like the little, like, you know, a reunion sort of um, mm. thing. I'll, I'll be down for it. Um, if Todd Phillips doesn't want to return, I sort of do want to see Bradley Cooper direct, just see what he can do with a comedy film. Because, <laughs> you know, we, we're going to get a bang with Maestro and we've seen him in The Star is Born. Mm. Um, so I think it'll just be a good way to, like, show his range. Um, it's clearly a, uh, um, a franchise that he's he's worked with enough, yeah. so he knows exactly what it's like and what to expect. Mm. So, and he's clearly passionate about it. If he said that, he'll be keen to do it instantly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that'll just be a little fun. Yeah. Thing for him, I mean, it, it might ruin his director, <laughs> his uh, filmography, directing wise. But yeah. I, gotta take a risk, man. Yeah. No. I'm. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's an awesome, uh, awesome idea. Yeah. If Todd Phillips not going to do it, then. You do it, yeah. you know, like you, I think you could command that right now. Um, and you know, with a maestro and a star is born, he clearly loves musically driven stuff. So again, yeah. Hangover four could be a good challenge. Uh, I'd be down for hangover four. Uh, you probably know that hangover first one is my favorite comedy film of all time. I love the hangover. I think I've seen it probably around 10 to 15 times and we would go back, um, to a point where, Oh, do you remember ever, ever remember those like Walkmans? Um, there was like a Sony Walkman, and the screen must have been. You guys can't see it because we're not on video, but it must have been like an inch by an inch and a half. It was tiny. I would watch Hangover. <laughs> My dad would uh, take me to work, and he's a construction worker, and so I just sit in the van and do stuff. And so I watched the Hangover on that little tiny screen. And I think I watched it a few times on that screen. Um, it's not the ideal viewing experience by any means. Um, but that's how much I kind of love The Hangover. So I would love love to see a Hangover 4. But then again, I remember Hangover 2 and 3. They weren't really that good. So I don't know how Hangover 4 could work. The only way I can really think about it right now is like a, a passing of the torch kind of thing. But even for this, I don't know how it'd be. Um, perhaps entirely new characters, same concept, but new characters. With Bradley Cooper directing, I would, I would kind of dig that. Um, 
Yeah, because having them return back for another hangover, like the whole concept is them forgetting the night before. And like, how do you, how do you do this four times in a row? Like, come on, you got to mature up at some point, you know. So it doesn't make sense narratively, but I would love love Bradley Cooper to be to return for it, but in the director's seat this time and behind the camera. Or he could play like an interesting cameo, you know. Yeah. Um, what's that guy? Um, oh, I forgot his name. In the the first one, and he's like the casino. They they steal money from him at the casino, and he like jumps out of the trunk. And he's like naked. Oh, Kim Jong. Yes, yeah, like that kind of like role where he just kind of comes out of nowhere and it's just like <laughs> wild and you know erratic. I I just think it would be absolutely hilarious. Um. So yeah, hopefully some hangover for we need more comedy in this world. I think we don't have enough comedy movies. Um, but yeah, we'll move on now to some Venom three news. Talking about uh, good old Sony verse before. Now we're going to talk about it now. Uh, so Tom Hardy shares uh, he shared a statement regarding the the restarting of production on Venom three after after the strikes, of course, uh, hindered the progress for this film. And in the Instagram thing, he reveals to this has been the last dance, which if you don't know, that is kind of referring to the uh, Michael Jordan, the last dance TV series, last dance implying final time, final outing kind of thing. And so that's what he's meaning by this, at least that's what everyone's gathering from it, implying that Venom 3 is the last Venom movie we're going to get with Tom Hardy. Um, so yeah, well, what do you make of this news here? Yeah, thankfully. Thankfully? You don't like <laughs> the other ones? Uh, no, they're pretty average. It's I just don't like the way that they've portrayed Venom in all three movies. You know, he's been sort of an anti-hero where he's just an out-and-out villain. Mm-hmm. I would have loved for Tom Hardy to start opposite side Tom Holland as his villain, as mm-hmm. Venom. Yeah. I think that would have worked way more better than having three films. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am sort of a bit happy. I mean, you know, Venom vs. Carnage. It's just two villains going ahead. You know, it's just stupid. It should have been Spider-Man there. Yeah. He's <laughs> dumb. So, yeah, I'm a bit, bit thankful that that's happening. Uh, Tom Hardy was great as Eddie Brock. Um, mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. So, yeah. he's by far the best part of Venom. But I think just what they've done to the character mm-hmm. has sort of made him an anti-hero, and I hope people don't expect, say, if he pops up in Spider-Man 4 or 10, laid down the track, that yeah. they don't view him as an anti-hero because he's just a villain. You, know? you don't like the, him as an anti-hero? No, nah, it's just weird. He's anti-hero in the comics. Is he? He's on the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, I mean, he's yuck. part of the team, yeah. Yuck. <laughs> I, I think as uh, Venom and Eddie Brock, you know, merge together or like become well-known to each other, that they can balance the good and the bad of that kind of, those two like personalities colliding. Right. That, that's what I think. So, I mean, like, yeah, he, he's, he's not just a villain, but the villainous side of Venom is what we want, I think. Yeah. Because... We haven't really got much of it. And I want to see him just... Well, I mean, we played Spider-Man 2 recently. Like, that's, that's a villain Venom, you know? That's good. And I, I, I want to see like him just going all out kind of thing. And we haven't really gotten that. And so I do think these Venom movies have accelerated the transition to becoming like an anti-hero, like, you know, somewhere in the middle. And what the hell happened with the multiverse? Like, he went to a pub and then came back instantly, but like left a bit of the symbiote. Yeah, the MCU main timeline, yeah. Who knows? Like I, that, I don't think that's ever going to get addressed. <laughs> yeah, that that was a total, uh, yeah, no, like miscommunication between 
uh, Marvel and Sony there. I just don't, that one, it kind of annoys me because, you know, when we saw at the end of Venom 2, like the multiverse, he went into like a different thing and Tom Holland was there and you're like, oh, okay, we're finally going to get the, the merge. And as you say, you know, uh, having the Toms go at it side by side, that would be really awesome to watch. Mm-hmm. But then he goes back. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, and then that's how the symbiotes in the, the Marvel universe, which I think is kind of, uh, kind of silly. Cheap. Yeah. Uh, doesn't Spider-Man exist in the universe anyway? Like, I'm pretty sure that's what Sony wants. Oh, who knows? Because, you know, Spider-Man's their kind of uh, golden child. Um, but yeah, if, it, if there's going to be no correlation between uh, this version of Venom and the MCU, then I'm glad it's the final one. But you know, if they are going to do it, then I don't know, just carry on the Venom movies, I think. I think they're good fun. I think that's all they really are. And you, you nailed it there with like Tom Hardy. He really is the funnest part because do you remember when he was announced as Venom and we're like, that's weird. Or like, you, why would you think he would take that role? Oh, yeah. Like, you just think it's a joke? Yeah. yeah um, a paycheck sort of thing. Yeah. And then watching, watching him as Venom was just hilarious. Just him in a lobster tank was go-to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm sad it's the last one. If they do end it on Venom 3, I'm like, what was the point of these movies? Like, I just yeah. don't see it. It was, it, was just, it was just basically Sony using a Spider-Man property. Yeah, because they haven't really built up a story through these movies. They've just been individual stories that haven't really been that good at all. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what's, what's been the point of them? And yeah, I don't think it's going to be addressed. Uh, we'll see what happens, though. I know that Tom Hardy loves the franchise, so that's got to be something. Moving on now to uh, a little Star Wars news. So we've covered DC, we've done Sony's universe. Now we're on to Star Wars. Well, move on to the MCU. It's a franchise potty today. Uh, Dave Filoni has apparently become the chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. So he's now going to uh, work more directly with Kathleen Kennedy to oversee the next generation of Star Wars shows and movies. So he's now in a bigger role than he, than he was. And... With Dave Filoni, remember he's got a Star Wars project on the way, uh, which is going to be the story that's going to focus on the New Republic and close out the interconnected stories that are told in Mandalorian, uh, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and those other Disney Plus shows. So it's it's kind of bringing it for a crossover movie um, as well. And he's been very close with the Star Wars franchise for you know nearly a couple of decades now you know the animated star wars clone wars thing he was a big part of that and all the this disney plus era star wars he's been a very big part of that and i think i think lucasfilm was finally starting to understand how to do star wars a little bit better so what do you make of now dave filoni who's i'm not going to say responsible for the you know, rising of success with Star Wars, but a huge part of that, working closely with the next generation of Star Wars. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's good. Mm. Um, we're finally going to have one person, let's just say he's the Kevin Feige, you know, the mm-hmm. showrunner overseer. We're going to finally get like a clear vision, clear yep. storytelling over Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The whole sequel trilogy was just a mess because it wasn't a clear vision. It was just an idea, an idea, an idea. Palpatine? Across, across, no, I'm not, not even going to take that bait. But Jewel of the Fates, bro. <laughs> I 
it would be nice to have a clear vision on Star Wars. Because mm. um, we had this discussion over the weekend that Star Wars is probably one of the top five pop culture things ever. Of all time. Of yeah. all time, yeah. Um, but it doesn't really feel like that with the movies because it's just, you've said it before on previous podcasts, that we've mm. had more bad Star Wars films than good. That's true. Which is true. But I think Dave Filoni is really good. I mean, you know, he did, he worked on Mandalorian, Ahsoka, mm-hmm. um, Book of Boba Fett was a bit meh, but yeah. I feel his, I can't remember what he did in that, if he directed all of them or just some of them, mm-hmm. but if I had to pick two episodes that he'd done, he did yeah. <laughs> be those Mandalorian episodes for sure. And then he also did the Clone Wars as well, you know, mm. that that's insanely beloved by the Star Wars fandom and that's actually a really fantastic show. So I, I think he, do, he he gets Star Wars. Yeah. He knows what it should be and I think he also knows what the fans want mm-hmm. as well. Um, That's why there's an Ahsoka TV series and, you know, bringing all these characters from the Clone Wars yeah. into live action that is just nostalgic for the people that watch the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great idea and it'll be nice to finally have a clear vision, yeah. a clear story across multiple Star Wars projects for once. Yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely in agreement with that because I think uh, in this case, if we want to compare it to Marvel, Kathleen Kennedy will be like Bob Iger uh, and then Kevin Feige will be like Dave Filoni. Not sure if that's going to translate the exact same. I don't think it will, but that's kind of how you can see it. Kathleen Kennedy is the head of Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. oversees everything, same as Bob Iger at, at Disney who own Marvel um, as they own Lucasfilm as well. but Hopefully, Kathleen Kennedy can assign enough creative power to Filoni to, to guide this universe as it builds up again. And I think it, it it's truly is finding some consistency. And it's it's well needed because, I don't know, uh, do you think, let's say all the Disney Plus stuff was bad. Would everyone check out of Star Wars? All the Disney Plus stuff was bad. Yeah, Mando, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. Uh, Ahsoka uh, and or all bad I think they would have just gone this is Star Wars yeah if you know what I mean because prequel trilogies mid Mm. sequel trilogies mid you know so if you had the live action stuff that was similar it would just be like oh it's just another Star Wars film so people would be out of it yeah yeah, but because um, Mandalorian stuff is good people are just like oh shit there Mm. is good Star Wars content out there that can you know be done right yeah. So that's probably why people keep coming back. But if it was just mid, 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 people just but oh, this is like, I know what I'm getting. The Disney formula, you know? Yeah. The Star Wars formula. Yeah. I, I think what I like about the, the new direction for Disney Plus stuff is like the, the focus is back on, uh, you know, Jedis and with lightsabers and stuff like that. I think that's really the kind of the centerpiece of the entire Star Wars franchise. So I'm glad they are uh, focusing a little bit more on that. And having uh, these shows just be a little bit more connected, I think, is good as well. They just re- they just really find a nice balance. They haven't figured out movies yet. That's no. the next path moving forward. I'm still very skeptical about any Star Wars movie, and I don't know any Star Wars movie that's coming soon that has a release date. They're all just projects up in the air right now. Tigers. No, I will <laughs> not watch Tigers. I might not even watch that movie. Depends where I am. Um, I don't want to watch that at all. Oh. <laughs> why you gotta say <laughs> stuff like that? Uh, we've seen Next Girl win, so that's why I'm having a very negative response to Nan's comment. I don't like Taika Waititi as a director for a Star Wars movie, but I am excited for James Mangold's movie. Um, I think that concept is fantastic. Yeah, yeah the the first Jedi. Yeah, yeah, and having it be like kind of like biblical and 
uh, religious in that sense. I think it's very interesting. And, you know, we got some comments from uh, Daisy Ridley recently regarding her Star Wars one. She says she's excited to be back in that role and um, being in that movie. I think that could be very interesting, could be good as well, depending on how they handle the character. Yeah, I think her character in the sequel trilogy was probably the one that was the most dirtiest. You know, she got done bad because she oh, was... John Boyega looked done bad. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but I think the fact that she was a main character and is all three films, her stories were changing, you know? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. like right, uh, Rise of the Jedi, The Last Jedi was supposed to be the defining moment where we actually understood who Rey was and turns out she was a nobody. Okay, cool. And then turns out she's Palpatine's grandchild oh, in the yeah. third one. It's just like, the hell? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it goes back to how there was just no clear vision. Mm. It was just a Disney brought Lucas films and like, cool, let's pump out Star Wars stuff. Yeah. And they just, did movies and without thinking about it. Yep. They, yeah, no, they are, uh, they messed it up really bad. Yeah. Really, really bad. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited for Dave Filoni to be out, to be taking control of this universe or a little bit more, uh, creative control. It seems I really want Star Wars to get back on track. I think these Disney plus shows are slowly killing my skepticism of Star Wars. Cause before I was like, Star Wars should be a very rare thing coming once in a blue moon. You now let you go again. You know, that's kind of what Star Wars is when it's at its best, I think. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to have Star Wars regular content, it feels like Dave Filoni knows how to do that where it's satisfying to the fans. Um, and I actually commend him for being a part of projects that lean a little bit more into fan service because people view fan service as an awful thing. And I think it can be good if the story supports it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, not forced fan service, of course. Oh. But, you know, looking forward to more Star Wars. So I'll say that very skeptically, <laughs> but I am looking forward to more Star Wars. I don't know what comes out next. I think it's, I think it's Andor next, man. Is it? Season yeah. 2. Season 2 in 2024. <laughs> I know that much. I don't know what else is coming out, but very excited for Andor Season 2. I'll be watching because that's my show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you were the one that got me into it. Yeah, man. You're welcome, dude. I, I saw it and I'm like, I know who'll love this. <laughs> Nan will love it. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on now to our next franchise of the day. That's the MCU. So there's a lot of updates here from one of the inside uh, scoopers, as people love to call them. We've got a bunch of goodies to talk about. So we'll just go through it uh, kind of one by one. So season two for some Disney Plus shows are reportedly in the works. So we got Miss Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk getting a second season. So I know you haven't seen She-Hulk, but you've seen the other two. Is there room to continue the stories for Moon Knight and Miss Marvel? For Moon Knight, definitely. Mm -hmm. I did, it's probably one of the shows that I did want an actual second season for. Yep. So it's pretty cool that they're going to actually follow through and do that. Mm -hmm. Miss Marvel, who cares? No. I mean, she, she, she was in the Marvels. And now she's seemingly going to be in the Young Avengers, you know, like, does she really need her own TV, sh TV show now um, mm. or a second season? Like yeah. You could just put that money to something else, to a different character or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, She-Hulk, haven't seen it. No comment on that. You'll, you'll comment on it because you've seen it. Yep. Um, but yeah, Moon Knight, I think there's definitely room to be explored on that for sure. Mm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree on the, the Moon Knight thing. And I feel like that's... It feels like a, a series kind of character, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, and with Miss Marvel, you know, I've seen half the series. I'm still getting through it now. But yeah, Miss Marvel, I think, uh is she's at the point where she's been upgraded to movies. So probably, you know, you can spend that money elsewhere, like you said. She she she's gonna be in movies from now on, so use uh the feature length kind of format to continue her story and try and uh, build up another character through a series. I don't think she needs a season two. And in fact, she's probably going to be a larger part of the MCU to the point where it's almost a disservice to have them on as a Disney plus show. Yeah. I think Disney plus shows are reserved for the, the smaller characters getting fleshed out and stuff. As for She-Hulk. Oh man, I did not like, I I think She-Hulk is genuinely the worst thing that Marvel has ever produced ever. Like it's it's horrifically bad, like and I I've disliked a lot of Marvel things, especially recently. Um, but it was always like a dislike where it's like I didn't really like that, but then this one I was like watching it. And I'm like, holy shit, this is hard to continue. Like, thank God, serious. I can pause it right now and leave. Um, but you didn't. I didn't. I kept watching. I did like the final two episodes, mind you. I think Daredevil makes one of them, and the last episode I think is. Crazy meta. I hope they kept that. But the the writing is just awful. Do I think She-Hulk can, can continue to work or was it was it failed is really the question in my mind right now. I don't know if She-Hulk works as a character. Not in this universe. Just because they butchered it from the beginning. And if you decide to ever watch it, easy to watch in terms of length and to, to get through it. But if you do decide to watch it, yeah, I'd be keen to see, hear your thoughts on it because, yeah, it just... They completely butchered the character. I don't. I think it might be beyond saving. So I'm not. Uh, I'm not excited for a, for a She-Hulk season two. I already put my life on the line, and I watched the the first season. I don't know if I have the strength to get through a second season. <laughs> might kill you, bro. Huh? <laughs> might kill you. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like I aged while I watched it. Mm. I feel significantly older. Wiser. Wiser, yeah, I don't feel as happy anymore. Like there's like a, a coldness in my heart that's just I've been really struggling to feel lately. Like welcome, it numbed me. Welcome to ad- adulthood. Yeah, this is really <laughs> adulthood. Um, she Hulk just rapidly uh sped up the process. Uh yeah, but otherwise I'm excited for more Moon Knight and but I just, I think there's better Disney Plus ideas out there. Oh definitely. Yeah. Uh, also, we have more news regarding uh, some build-up to Avengers Secret Wars, which is about time because the, the movie is only, what, like three years away or something like that? Uh, 2025? I'm pretty sure it's 26, but it's crazy to think about because it feels like there's been no build-up at all for that, right? Yeah. So we have a little bit of an idea on what we can expect for the build-up to Avengers Secret Wars. You know... The build up to Infinity War and Endgame, they had the prominent movies that stood as that. Civil War, for example, was a big movie leading up to Infinity War. There are other movies that I can't think of on the top of my head, but there were the movies. So these are movies seem to set up the ground for Avengers Secret Wars, and that's Spider Man 4, Shang Chi 2, Fantastic 4, and Deadpool 3. They're the ones that are going to be setting up Avengers Secret War uh, more fully. So. Yeah, what do you what do you think about that? Um, I think I'm more surprised by Shang Chi because he seems like a sort of side character. Um, I would say. Do you remember the post credit scene yeah. for Shang Chi? Yeah, I think that might have something to do with it. Eh? I think so too. But just 
whenever someone thinks, um, oh, sorry, I thought my arm was bruised, but it wasn't. <laughs> it got sidetracked. <laughs> oh, um, I think Shang-Chi is, he doesn't strike me as the leader or a leader Ooh. or a main staple of the Avengers, you know? Mm. I, whenever you think of leaders of the Avengers post-Endgame, first people that come to mind is Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, you know? Yeah. Um, Thor, because he's still around <laughs> as well. Loki? Mm, he's he's holding the MCU together, li- <laughs> literally. Literally and, and figuratively, yeah. metaphorically. And, yeah, but yeah. yeah, so Shang-Chi is interesting for me. Now, don't get me wrong, I did like the movie. I mm-hmm. thought Thor is definitely one of the better films post-Endgame. That's really from, good, yeah. From Marvel. Um, so that was interesting. Deadpool 3. It was always talked about how it was going to lead into that sort of stuff, you know, bringing mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman back. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's um, if the events in that film is what or how the mutants are made or how mm-hmm. the mutants come across into the MCU style, uh, timeline. What was the other one you said? Um, Fan- Spider-Man 4 and Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Obvious and obvious, you know. Yeah. Um, Fantastic Four is the new sort of generation of the MCU mm-hmm. that makes any sense at all. You know, they're going to be the main players going forward. So it does make sense that they are heavily involved and in building up to the next Avengers yep. and Spider-Man. I literally just said that he was one of the leaders now, especially after No Way Home mm. um, of the Avengers. So it obviously makes more sense in that. Yeah. And I hope with Spider-Man 4 that they show, they show him as more of a, leader he's more experienced in crime fighting now mm. um he's not making silly mistakes as we've seen him in spider one and two he's yep. learned from them mm-hmm. i'd rather see that than just him make another mistake and him try to fix it yeah because it, it just doesn't show that his character is actually developed at all mm-hmm. really. and there's no mr stark to protect in this time exactly save him. exactly yeah. yeah so i I think spider-man 4 just needs to be based on his growth um and him I think he just needs to leave, maybe not MJ, but Ned. I think he does need to leave Ned, and hopefully we get Harry Osborn and um, mm. this is next, you know, yeah, sort of friendship that we that gets explored. I think for Spider Man Four, they need to no Zendaya, no um, is it Jacob? I think um, I forgot the actor's name. So he plays no Ned and no uh, MJ. Just keep the consequences of Nowhere Home real. Because yeah. if he goes back and gets them back, it's kind of like, what's the point? Um, and at the end of Spider-Man Nowhere Home, he kind of sees them happy and he's like, he, he accepts his place out of their life yeah. and thinks they're going to have a nice, happy life. So he decides to, you know, not get them back, which I think is, is good. That's what our heroes need. They need real consequences for doing uh, the greater good, per se. So Spider-Man 4, I think, makes sense if they're going to have that character be uh, a big part of the the saga going forward. And I think Nowhere Home is a perfect opportunity to um, for it to carry on in Spider-Man 4, just carrying that added matureness now. He's now, a, he's now one of the veterans of the MCU. Yeah. So it's time for him to take a more mature approach and be like, understand the seriousness, the consequences of, um, you know, being silly, making mistakes, because he made mistakes nowhere home and, Paid the ultimate price. Aunt May is gone. His friends don't know him. So he's lonely now. He's mm-hmm. and now he's fully serious. I would love for him to actually be a very serious character moving forward. 
um, but still be able to make quick quips and stuff while we're like fighting and stuff as he does. Shang Chi too. Uh, I really liked the first Shang Chi. I really loved the the visual style they got with the character. I don't know how he uh, will, or how Shang Chi two will play into Secret Wars, but I can see um, Shang Chi actually being quite a significant character moving forward in the MCU, and I'm fully on board with that. I really like the character's journey. Fantastic Four just makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, I think Fantastic Four and X Men are going to be centerpieces for the saga after the multiverse saga so to have fantastic four come in at the the back half of the the multiverse saga and be big players for that final movie similar to how captain marvel kind of came in and was a big player um at the very end of the infinity saga so i kind of see that and how it makes sense deadpool 3 i think yeah it's pretty clear you know it's got the tv in it apparently they're going to go hunt down kang so that's obviously a big one how this whole multiverse thing comes together. Can I ask you a side sorry, before you move on, can I ask you a side question before you don't move on? Does it relate to this? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. So if Chadwick didn't pass away, do you think uh, do you think he would have gotten a third film? Um, and do you think that would have led directly or been one of these movies that we're talking about now? He would have definitely got a third film. He would have been a leader. We said this before, I think, not on Potty, but in private. Chadwick's uh, T'Challa was a perfect Captain America replacement. Yeah, he was the guy to to lead that next one, and I do think they would have acknowledged that and given that to him. Don't know if Black Panther three would be the one leading to Avengers Secret Wars, but Black Panther absolutely would have a massive part to play in um in the Avengers going forward. Um, and so apparently. Continuing on with the Deadpool 3 conversation, Deadpool 3 is reportedly one of the most important movies of the current saga, the multiverse saga, and Marvel is very confident with it, and that's why it's the only movie releasing next year. So, yeah, the fact that Marvel exited uh, 2024, that's not what they usually do. That's the least amount of MCU movies since 2008, since the start of the MCU. So they're very confident, it seems, and this report uh, is assuring that. What do you think about that? Do you have faith that Deadpool 3 can be or that they should be confident with it? It seems, from what we've heard and seen, it does seem like as if it's going to be a significant movie. You know what I mean? They're bringing oh, Hugh, definitely, yeah. They're bringing Hugh Jackman back. Mm -hmm. um, there's reports that um, Deadpool will be dealing with the TVA on this, yep. especially after Loki. They've the TVA and Loki is a massive part of the MCU now. Mm -hmm. um, Loki indirectly and directly. Yeah. Um, so I think it does make sense. The fact that they pushed uh, Captain America 4 out is weird, considering that is f finished filming. But apparently there's issues with that yeah. um, film, so there's probably a different layer to that mm -hmm. um, that we'll explore probably hopefully never. <laughs> um, but I think they're putting all their chips in into Deadpool. Um, they're sort of making it as an event form. I think we can take this as our, you know, our Civil War type of film. Yeah, yeah, that's good to put it. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's it's indirectly an Avengers movie, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. So I think they do have that. Um, and I don't think I think Marvel is smarter. It's smart, you know, like they wouldn't push all these movies away mm -hmm. and just keep that one there. Yeah, I mean, they had faith in it. They, they had faith in Deadpool. Um, during the writer's strike, they just kept the release date the same because mm. obviously it must be significant 
but that they don't want to budge. Yeah. If it was something that wasn't significant, it would have moved. Mm. But then ultimately they did have to move because of the strikes. Yep. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, th- I think this makes sense when you think about it. Like yeah. if you really, really think about it and break it down, I yep. think, I think, yeah, mm-hmm. De- Deadpool 3 is going to be a big one. So the fact that Marvel is supposedly very confident with it, does that make you any more confident in it than you were prior? Because I don't think we've been very confident in Marvel movies lately. Does this add something for you? Uh, not at all, but I am excited. Yeah. Um, a bit more. Um, just the fact that it, Marvel is finally trying to build the saga now mm. and lead to something. The fact that Deadpool 3 is going to be that. Yeah. Um, be a catalyst for that. You know, the first film we see from Marvel with this character and Hugh Jackman coming back. Those mm. two reasons alone is going to be huge. Yeah. Don't think it's going to be R16, which is a bit of a bummer. Apparently it's R-rated. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know if it translates to R16 for us, but apparently it's going for the R-rating. Okay, that's that's cool then. Yeah. Yeah. Um. See, I forgot my train of thought now. But... Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's good. Oh, mm. no. Yeah, I'm excited for it, but I'm still not hopeful just because the Marvel products we've gotten recently. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only been two good ones this year. None from last year. You know? Yeah. Yeah, we haven't really had much, have we? No. Yeah. So it hasn't been that great. But um yeah, I mean I'm glad it's R rated. because uh, you know, you got uh Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Deadpool to R rated characters and hopefully they can commit to the R rating there. Otherwise, yeah, no, I'm I don't know, I wouldn't say I'm confident in it from a quality perspective, but my excitement from hearing the stuff with Deadpool, it does I am actually more excited for Deadpool than prior to reading these. Because now I know that we're finally going to get some development to the the big finale of the Multiverse Saga, Secret Wars. And that's something we've been clamoring for, for for a while now. And just the fact that I know that Marvel are a little bit more confident with it gives me a little bit of assuredness that there might be something here in quality. Don't know if it will be, but I'm definitely more excited for it just because I'm excited to see some actual progression with the MCU. And the final piece of all this uh, Marvel stuff is some Fantastic Four news. So apparently Anya Taylor-Joy is reportedly being eyed to play a villain in MCU's Fantastic Four. So uh, apparently, yeah, I heard a little further report to this, that it was one of Galactus's uh, heralds. So there's a, a wide range of ones of those ones, but the main one is obviously Silver Surfer. Uh, what do you think about this? Should she, what, yeah, what character do you think she should play? I don't know how familiar you are with Galactus and his heralds. Mm, what character I think she would play, I don't know. Mm. I think Silver Sephira could be a good fit for her. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to gender swap um, Doctor Doom, maybe that's another way to go. Or as a herald as well. I think a, a herald mm-hmm. would be the wiser choice, but Galactus can't be the main villain. I feel Galactus needs to be built up towards. Um, and if the perfect way to do that is by teasing them in Fantastic yep. Four. Yeah. Um, in terms of Anna Taylor-Joy being a villain, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we see her, she doesn't, we've seen her in, I wouldn't really say a good guy sort of roles, but I can't yeah. remember a sort of a villainous sort of role that she's been in. Magic. Hmm? Magic. What's that? New, new Mutants. Oh, New Mutants. Yeah, that was like... She's a villain in that, but like, she's kind of the anti-hero. Yeah, not a proper, yeah. when I say villain, I mean, no anti-hero in this. Like, oh, right. a proper villain. Yeah. 
Um, so I think it will be really great. We'll mm. obviously test her acting capabilities as well. Yeah. Um, and that, which is something will be great to see because we know that she's a fantastic act- actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be awesome to see her play a villain as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of her coming to the MCU, that's cool. You know, it's another established. Um, yeah. Hollywood pers- persona coming over who's still up and coming as well. Mm-hmm. I think this is this will just push her further into stardom. Yeah. And if you think about it, Queen's Gambit was the one that put her on the radar. And was it? Main one. Like we we all know that the witch was somewhat of her introduction into like uh, mainstream yeah. Hollywood, but I think people started knowing about Anna Taylor Joy from the Queen's Gambit. Mm. Um, really. Yeah. And then she's been in multiple stuff since. Mm-hmm. Um, her being in Marvel just put her straight on the map. Yeah. Easily. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't know. The The report is that she's been eyed to, not that she's auditioning or that she's close to signing a deal. So it really depends on what uh, role she wants to be or she's being eyed for. That's the one that I don't know. Uh, if it is probably a Herald, I would probably go with Nova uh, because Nova has, you know, a relationship with uh, Johnny Storm despite having a fear of fire. I think that could be a really interesting and just adding that kind of side character that can develop later on uh in fast and fantastic four and hopefully she has good chemistry with whoever plays uh, human torch at the end of the day i think i would go for that one because you know with silver surfer it's it's some galactic uh human being coming from a different planet and so it's another thing to build up but if it's if it's nova they start their journey on earth and she can be already be a friend or in, already in a relationship with Johnny Storm. And so it's not the Fantastic Four like doing too much. Cause I feel like and we've already heard reports about Galactus um uh, being like getting like casted, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if we're gonna have Silver Surfer, Galactus and Fantastic Four alongside this other stuff, I think it's just too much. And Silver Surfer and Galactus are two very large villains. I want the first Fantastic Four to be small scale. I know it's not going to be because apparently it's not the groundwork for uh, Secret Wars, but I want it to be focusing on the team mostly. I want the villain to be borderline nothing. I think the main obstacle should just be them finding their chemistry and being able to work together as a team without ego, you know? So if you're going to have like a, you know, an Avengers uh, kind of villain show up, it's just I think it's just too much in one movie and you're not going to get much of the the team and the four characters because this isn't just a solo movie with Captain America or something this is four big characters so you got to spend a lot of time with like those four characters to you know get their backstory in there it's going to be very hard to do with just them four but if you're adding in all this other stuff I think it's just it's too much like it reminds me of um Spider Amazing Spider-Man 2 Oh, you know, yeah. all those characters coming in, it's just, yeah, it's not, it's not enough. I mean, it's too much, sorry. So, yeah, there's, there's no space for massive uh, villains in this movie, I don't think. Not at the start, but down the line. So hopefully it's a small-scale villain or someone that's like, will become the herald by the end of the film and then tease for later on down the line, you know? Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for us today on the Let's Be Real podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed today's discussion as we went through all the franchise. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in to us. Your support and engagement means a lot to us. 
you liked what you heard, follow us on your favorite podcast platform and consider giving us a rating. You can also stay connected to us on X slash Twitter and YouTube as well. Uh, before we say goodbye, we just want to hear what you guys thought about this, this discussion. Did you agree with whatever you want, like all the takes on everything or did you disagree? Whatever it is, whatever you thought, come on over to Movie Gains and share your perspective. Remember to jump on over to moviegains.com. We do a bunch of content on there from Oscars to box office to physical media and the works. So thanks again for joining us. We'll catch you next time. Keep bringing the hype. Peace. See ya.